This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. Enough is enough. What a week we had, uh, Rita. It has uh, been like 10 weeks. Oh, my God. This week is double double week. And by the way, I can't wait. We're going to be talking about Fannie Willis. There's a huge bombshell in the Fannie Willis case. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about that. In the studio, Judge Weinberg, we have Ed Cox, New York State Chairman, and you got some breaking news for us. You bet. And uh, we have uh, David Patterson, the former governor. you have any more pardon slips left over? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I stashed a couple on the way out. All right. Okay. You know how I know? Cox. By the way, you know why I know the governor's here? Because it's Grimaldi's Pizza Day. Hey, you know. Thank you, John. I love that. Uh, Ed Cox, you had a uh, convention uh, yesterday. We had a convention in, in Binghamton, Binghamton, Binghamton and, New York. And, uh, uh, you have a new nominee who's going to run against Kirsten Gillibrand? Uh, that's it. Our designated candidate to run against Kirsten Gillibrand for the U.S. Senate. Uh, he, uh, Mike Sapriconi is his name. And what does he do? Who is he? Well, he spent 20 years as an NYPD cop and then spent 32 years building a great security business. Just finished selling it for a small fortune that had 800 employees. And uh, he wants so to. So he sold it for a small fortune. Is he committed himself? Is he going to put some real money into the campaign? He already has. Uh, to, and he's also raised I more money. I have more respect for candidates that put their own money up. He put his own money, but he also raised money. you got to do both. You know what's nice? He's not a, uh, no offense, not a politician, guys. I mean, here's here's a guy who really former cares cop. about, yeah, former cop, cares about law and order, protecting our borders. That is a Look, huge issue. He was supplying security to, like, Facebook and, and, and yeah. yeah, I mean, the Sony and uh, FedEx and UPS. I All mean, right. Let's it, see what happens. He knew how to deliver the service. And, and the there's business. nobody running a primary. Uh, the other, they, people can petition in to do a primary. So I'm not sure if there will be any. There's a, always a possibility that someone, anyone okay. can petition. Would okay. you like to, John? Uh, no. <laughs> no. That's a flat no. That was that, a quick no. That was no. pretty quick. Uh, yeah. There was no hesitation. There wasn't faster than that. That was a fast no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like natural. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we understand that, uh, Governor Hochul went to the White House today and, uh, I, you know, she, she, I think most of the Democratic, uh, uh, governors went to the White House and she issued a statement praising, uh, uh, President Biden. And, uh, uh, yes, she did, John. And by the way, uh, she said she talked with him about border and you can hear this already. She said, well, because, you know, basically the GOP is not pushing for the border package, which of course still allowed for open borders, as we talked about, Judge. And ratifies bad acts. And ratifies done. bad acts. She said, quote, um, that she supports Biden executive action on immigration, which is what we're hearing. He's, which he had the authority all along. 
and also said that President Biden's the leader our nation needs in these difficult so she times. So campaigned to be vice president? <laughs> oh. And like also, like yesterday it. we had the, the problem with AT&T cellular phones going down. And uh, Dr. Sky called in before. I think we got a, a one-minute uh, uh, thing on what he said uh, happened. Go ahead. Put on Dr. Tell Dr. us uh, the... Uh, Sunspots. I understand the the fair, the they're getting stronger and stronger. John, over the past week, we've had an amazing thing happen on the sun. Three X class powerful flares. These are the highest level flares in twenty four hours over this past week. Just before we've had three in twenty four hours, but that's not too surprising because this is sunspot cycle twenty five. But lucky for us, there's no coronal mass ejections that we know of from these. But we still don't know, John, the answer to what the big phone outage was here in this country. AT&T, at least that's what I'm finding out, is explaining to people that there was some sort of a software glitch involved. But, John, it wasn't just AT&T. It was a massive group of, you know, carriers across the country. Some might have blamed this on the solar flare. We pretty much know that's not the case. But don't you think that's a little dangerous if we really don't know how to maintain our software? Or who knows if it was a cyber attack? Will we ever be told the truth, John? That's the big question. I don't think we'll ever be told the truth, John. The the taxpayer and citizen is the last to know. Well, and by the way, on my show last night, we had so many calls from people saying, how did all, because it wasn't just AT&T, it was T-Mobile, it was Verizon. Why did they kind of all go out, John? Who knows? Interesting. I understand we have Judge Napolitano today. Yes, we do. Judge Andrew Napolitano, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Judge, I can't wait to ask you about this new bombshell that just came out on the Fannie Willis case where she uh, may not have been truthful under oath. Remember, they said they didn't have a relationship until after she hired him in the Trump case down there in Georgia. Now, what? it's interesting. There were 2,000 calls made between them uh, the year before, and he somehow visited her condo until the wee hours, according to this information. They're hard workers. Come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. What do you make of that? That's a, that is real dedication. Wait, wait, wait a second. Is that billable hours? <laughs> For him, it was. Just like the visit to the White well, House was. $600,000. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, Judge uh, Napolitano, your thoughts? Well, if she, if this evidence appears to contradict what she and he testified to under oath substantially, that would be reason enough to remove them uh, from the case. Now, removing them from the case will uh, obviously give the defendant some reason for joy, but it shouldn't because there's a team ready to replace them. Uh, and they're going to tell the judge that they're ready to try this case at its original trial date. So this does not impair the quality of the case against the defendants. I wish it did, because I happen to think the case against the defendants is is a poor one and shouldn't have been filed. This is not a RICO case, but that's what they use RICO for in Georgia. Uh, but I do believe that the judge will remove her. If she wants to salvage her political career, she should remove herself rather than enduring what is probably going to come. He has scheduled uh, a day of oral argument. I don't have the exact date. I think it's the week after next. And at the end of that oral argument, he'll make his decision. But it's pretty clear which way he's going to go after the uh, bombshell evidence came out today. Yeah, this is a bombshell. Now, you think it's not going to delay it. That's interesting, Judge Napolitano, because a lot of people are saying that, well, two things. Obviously, it certainly puts a, a smear on the case. 
And it's interesting, you know, just as you and I, I agree. I think the case is thin, but it smears it. The other thing is, even though they're saying they're ready to go, doesn't doesn't it, in a sense, delay the case? Uh, I mean, you could make the case that it with new people coming on, even if they say they're ready, doesn't it give the Trump team some ammo for a delay? Well, it, it, it certainly uh, puts an, an aura and an odor around the case, which that's is that's a nice a way to one. say it. I was thinking of another one. word, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. which is not which is not a good one for the government. But there's about six prosecutors uh, on the case. You're really only removing one because Ms. Willis is not one of the actual team. She is their boss. So in terms of the human beings in the courtroom, you're removing one. And that one is not a full-time prosecutor. So the person right behind him, I don't know the name of this person, is a full-time prosecutor that works for uh, Fonnie Willis that actually has more uh, experience prosecuting cases than Mr. Wade does. That's so everybody, by the way. <laughs> right. This might not be a very good thing. It is a PR victory for the defendants, but it might not be a very good thing for their actual criminal trial because they're going to be confronting someone who's tried a lot more criminal cases and done a lot more cross-examination and has a lot more experience before a jury than Mr. Wade does. Where does this leave Fonnie Willis? I don't know. If there's evidence that this whole thing was orchestrated in order to fleece the state of money, she has a very serious criminal problem herself. But if the worst she that comes out of this is perjury, I don't think she'll be prosecuted for the perjury. But uh, I do think she could very well lose her license to practice law because of that perjury. The perjury of which I speak is her assertion under oath that her relationship with Mr. Wade, as irrelevant as that is to the quality of the case against Trump, she brought this on by hiring him. So it's in the case. Uh, Let's go Uh, to Judge Weinberg real quick. Judge, good to talk to you again. Let me say that what troubles me most of all about this, which was a politically motivated case with a bad statute, it's a misuse of of RICO, as you understand and I understand. But, but, But the worst part of it is that this gentleman, Mr. Wade, went to the White House on two different occasions for eight hour stints, which he built. What was he doing in the White House discussing this case? And if he wasn't discussing this case, what was he doing in the White House at all? It's absolutely ridiculous. It shows a politically motivated prosecution, which, by the way, it may not be basis to dismiss the case, but I would be arguing that if I was defense counsel. What say you? Well, I, th- I think uh, that uh, defense counsel has every right to argue it to the uh, uh, to the jury. In fact, defense counsel should probably call Mr. Wade as a defense witness. Now, that's dangerous because they don't know what he's going to say. It is inconceivable that he went to the White House to discuss something other than the case because he billed the state for his time in the White House. Right, right, right. exactly right. Right. <laughs> right. If he went there to discuss Joe Biden's reelection campaign, uh, then he committed a crime uh, by billing uh, the state for time that was not spent on the case. So he's got a tough road to hoe uh, on this one. Governor Patterson, uh, Your Honor, I don't know how many times I've seen this happen, and I'm just wondering if you are in the a public figure and you have some information that uh, 
doesn't place you in a good light or you've committed a wrong or you have or you're uncomfortable talking about a conversation, the best thing to do is to talk about all of it. Don't allow for any uh, part of the, the conversation to be left out, because if you don't put a draw a circle around it, uh, your adversaries will find something you left out and and persecute you all over again. And that's what happened here. And I don't know who was advising them, but uh, I don't think it was a good idea to listen to them. Now, Governor, what you just said is an elegant and excellent lesson for first-year law students about what to do when you're confronting a jury and you have damning information from your own client about himself. You get it out out of your own client's mouth. Don't let the other side get it out. It'll look a lot worse. You're 100% correct, Governor. Uh, Judge, one last question. Uh, Judge Weinberg, yesterday we had Dean Happy uh, from the uh, former uh, uh, dean law of Regent Law School, and he came up with a theory that's only from 1990, the Supreme Court. Tell Judge Napolitano about it. Okay, the, Judge, the, the theory is this, that there's an inherent power in the federal constitution for the Supreme Court to issue writs against uh, inappropriate state action. Additionally, there's a statute called the All Writs Statute, which was used in the 1990 case in Missouri called Jenkins versus Missouri, Missouri versus Jenkins, fundamentally setting aside uh, unlawful state action by the by the courts in uh, in Missouri. So the the theory that Dean Happy came up with is Trump should be looking at this, his legal team should be looking at this as a basis to go after uh, the decisions by Justice and Gorin in the uh, prosecution by uh, our Attorney General of New York State. What say you? That the, uh, the, the case cited by the dean, and I have respect for, for the dean, but we disagree. The case cited by the dean is only for final judgments of the highest court of the state. So Trump, he doesn't want to wait. Trump would have to wait for the Court of Appeals of the state of New York, with which you're more familiar than I, uh, to rule on this. But the feds will not interfere with a state prosecution uh, under a statute called the Anti-Injunction Act which prohibits federal courts from interfering with state prosecutions until they finish, until it gets to the state court of last resort. Now, that well, uh, they're, they're, in Georgia, they're, looking for they're, something they're else. interfering with a presidential election. Right. So I, I, I'm hoping, I'm just hoping because I'm just a grocery man, I'm hoping that there's somebody... <laughs> I didn't graduate college, and uh, the fact that uh, somebody high enough up there to say this is wrong. Well, Judge Napolitano, we're waiting. We're waiting for that person to say this is wrong, but it's too early in the game. What right. happened to Trump and Justice Ingram's courtroom is one of the greatest thefts by government in modern history, and it truly begs to be undone. Yep, absolutely. I think we all agree on that. Uh, thank you very much, Judge Andrew Napolitano. You know, I love these conversations so much. I wish I could hang out with you guys for the full hour. Anytime, yeah, you anytime, anytime you're here in the city, you're welcome down to join us. On a Friday, and you can have some Grimaldi's pizza while he's here. Yeah, Friday's on the good day. <laughs> thank That's you. God bless you guys. Have thank a great you. Thank you, too, Judge. Now, thank you. Uh, we got Admiral Stavridis in on the Cats Roundtable on Sunday. 
And we're going to play a one-minute tidbit before uh, we go to Tony Schaefer. Let's hear a a, a tidbit from Admiral Stavridis, former uh, NATO Supreme Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. There's been a lot of fights in Congress about uh, uh, the Ukrainians, uh, the Israelis, uh, and uh, uh, the Republicans are standing up and... uh, saying that uh, unless you secure the borders uh, of the United States, we're not going to give you money to secure the borders of Ukraine. Uh, Any feeling about that? Well, if you recall, about uh, just over a month ago, there was, I thought, a very good piece of legislation that did all of that. It provided funding, significant funding for the border, along with, I think, some realistic policy changes, because I agree, we have to secure our border. That bill included funding to do so alongside funding for Ukraine, for Israel, and for Taiwan. It was a smart piece of legislation. Unfortunately, the consensus between the parties fell apart, So now they parked border security kind of off to the side, and now they're trying to resolve the Ukraine and the Israeli part of this. Um, So my view, John, is let's get Ukraine and Israel done. A vast majority of both houses of Congress, both parties, support funding to Ukraine and to Israel. That is eminently doable. Let's get that done, and then let's turn our attention back to the border. We'll get that secured. I think both parties want to do that, particularly in the run-up to an election where most Americans would say border security matters deeply. And the rest of the interview is Sunday, right? The rest of the interview on the Cats Roundtable at 9 o'clock, and uh, one of the smartest guys on what's going on in the world, I know, and now, who are we going to right now to get his opinion? Now we have Tony Schaefer, who is president of Project Sentinel uh, Army Intel, uh, big executive, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Tony, uh, first, I've got to get right to this. President Biden came out a little bit ago, and he said, we will never bow to anyone, particularly Putin. And then he slapped uh, 500 sanctions, but not on the ones tied to all these oligarchs tied to Hunter Biden. You can't make it up. Right. Uh, thanks for having me, Rita. And yeah, look, this is going to be as effective as the last round. And the last round resulted in Putin having 80 percent approval and a 3 percent growing economy. It's going to do nothing. And the real issue is the fact that we have nations like the Indians, who are mostly allied with us, busting the sanctions. They're, they're actually reselling Russian oil. And so Putin gets the money. Uh, Europe pretends they don't know they're buying Russian oil and they're doing it. So this is, uh, you know, Joe Biden, uh, for whatever reason, uh, knows what we're talking about. His staff does. Jake Sullivan knows what, we're, what I'm saying here is true. But they don't they, they're actually it's just another form of virtue signaling. It'll have no impact on Putin or Russia. So what is the point of it? Is it just to say, oh, look what I did? And and yeah. you know what's shameful? He's not also going after, like, the oil and gas. That was another huge thing. And I'm thinking, you have 500 still left? Why didn't you do it on day one? Because at this point, I'm convinced they don't want any solution. Uh, and I, I got to take on the admiral there, Admiral Stravitas. I don't disagree. With, I couldn't agree, disagree with him more regarding the additional funding. Uh, the all they're going to do is we've already spent 300 billion in 14 since not 2014 on the war in Ukraine. 
we should not spend another penny until we have a strategy that we understand specific outcome objectives. Uh, so the idea that uh, somehow more money is going to change the trajectory of failure is insane. And Biden simply wants the money for purposes of trying to say, well, we did something. And doing something and achieving nothing is not the right answer. We need to take a step back, reestablish an understanding of what we want to achieve regarding American goals, and then go about trying to do Reagan-type things to affect things based on diplomacy, uh, special operations and intelligence operations like we did during the Cold War. Uh, we need to basically go back to how we won the Cold War and start trying to figure out how to win this current war. Yeah, uh, Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel, we have uh, Ed Cox here. Yes, Colonel, uh, what you need is a speech from the President of the United States that thinks it out and lays it out. This is what we're going to do, and this is why mm-hmm. we're going to do it. And unless yeah, he does that, absolutely. he's not going to have the nation behind him. Right. And, and I, I think the American people, if, if they're told what our objectives are and where we're going to go, would be for it. But at this point, you have a divided nation. A lot of folks like myself are very skeptical that any additional funding is going to do anything except go right where it's gone so far to an ineffective use of military force that has simply sacrificed a whole generation of Ukrainian men to no good outcome. And that's what my concern is at this point. Yep. And thank you, Tony Schaefer, very much for being with us. Uh, We agree with you. It is such a crazy situation right now. Well, let's take a break. And so we could have during the break some Anthony's pizza. Wait a minute. I think Gov Patterson already sampled it. Yeah. Guilty as charged. I think the whole world knew that. I I think the whole world knew that. Let's take that break. And when we come back, we're coming back with Larry Kudlow. We promised him some pizza. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Uh, truth in advertising, John. Uh, during the break, we did take some bites because the governor said it was delicious. We always agree with the governor. So uh, we tried the pizza. I had a small slice and it was great. And I still have, I have half left, but it's great because this is pizza day here at WABC, the iconic Rivaldi's Pizza at the old Limelight Church in New York City. It is the official pizza of 77 WABC and it's delicious. Don't you agree, Gov? Uh, Absolutely. And you noticed that I accidentally spoke while, while ate while I was in front of the microphone. I didn't refer to my attorney. I didn't dilly-dally. I came right out and admitted it. (laughs) Some people that should have listened to this program today should consider the same advice. (laughs) Let's go to the country's leading economist we have with us, Larry Kudlow. Larry, 
almost the market is almost 40,000. Yeah, so this week was um, NVIDIA and the AI gold rush. That's the way I'll put it. Tremendous earnings and sales revenues from NVIDIA, the chip company, which is the leading chip maker plugging into the big uh, communications companies like Google and Facebook and so forth to get them to uh, artificial intelligence and applications. But, you know, it sprinkled gold dust over the entire market. And it's an important point, I think, that one, one almost overlooked is that the application of AI, which is really about quantum computing, it's about super, super fast computing. You can get all the information you need. You can plug into all kinds of machinations and uh, permutations and combinations. It's good for farming. It's good for manufacturing. Of course, it's good for media and communications. But it's the applications uh, of AI that could, in the medium, longer term, you know, really rejuvenate the economy. Uh, and it's coming from the private sector. Nobody gave NVIDIA a lot of money. Uh, nobody gave these uh, telecom companies a lot of money. It's private investment, but it's uh, American ingenuity and technology advance uh, at its best. And it sprinkled gold dust on the entire market, all the markets this week, up over 1% and hitting new record highs left and right. Any other comments on what's going on uh, uh, with interest rates? I spoke to uh, Robert Yunanaway, our friend from uh, uh, Goya Foods, and he'll be on this weekend uh, on, on the Cats Roundtable that the price of food is not going down. Transportation costs are the highest ever. So food is not going down. And uh, I, gasoline, I don't know where we're going. I think uh, right now with the what's going on in the, uh, in the Gulf uh, is not going down. And uh, interest rates, it doesn't look like it's going down. Yeah, look. gasoline, by the way, is perked up a little bit. It's back up to about 325 nationwide. Uh, it was hovering around three. Um, John, I, I, I want to help your cost of financing as much as I possibly can because I have pure love for you. But I don't think interest rates are going down. And market rates, put the Fed aside, market rates have actually gone up. Uh, the 10-year Treasury is now back up to about 430. And I don't see any evidence or any sign that anybody in the Federal Reserve wants to cut its target rate for many, many months. Now, how long, we'll see. But I think rates are going to stay where they are. I think inflation lingers on. And um, the economy, look, profits are very strong. Profits are the mother's milk of the stock market. And profits are the lifeblood of the economy. Businesses prosper when they're making money. And right now, they're making money. So okay, bottom line, from, from Katsimatidis and Kudlow is interest rates are not going down. Food prices are not going down. The stock market to the moon, and um, gasoline long, is up. I'm long. I'm long the index, John. Right now, I look like a genius. I'm long the S and P index. Right now, I look like a genius, and I'm just hoping that you know Governor Patterson invests in the S and P index and holds <laughs> it there forever. Thank you, Larry Kudlow. Thank you, Larry Kudlow. Have a great weekend. And you're going to be Thank on you, every Saturday. Your, your your picture is in the New York Post tomorrow, every Saturday between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock and one of the highest rating shows on WABC. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, Rita, you have any hot news, Rita?
It's the top news of the day. Sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, we have some hot news and also some sad news. There's been another deadly attack on the New York City subway. Police say a 45-year-old man was attacked early this morning on the D train in the Bronx at the 182nd Street station, causing a lot more concern for nervous strap hangers. Subway crime has been up, by the way, 20%, as we talked about on the show yesterday with Chief Shell. South Carolina voters will head to the poll tomorrow for the state's GOP primary. The state's former governor, Nikki Haley, is polling well behind former President Trump. Haley has vowed to stay in the race as Trump's last serious Republican challenger, but Trump has maintained that double-digit lead, including a new poll putting him up at 35%. Carl Rove is going to be joining us later on the show to talk about that and a lot more. And former President Trump's legal team is asking for his classified documents case to be thrown out, citing presidential immunity. His attorneys filed court papers just a few hours ago in the federal case that surrounds documents found at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach. And, John, those are your hot, hot, hot Goya top stories of the day. And I know we got it down pat yesterday. Uh, and we heard it from Bob Unanway, the head of yeah. Goya himself. That uh, if you buy uh, extra, extra virgin, virgin. Uh, olive oil, Goya brand, that it is the best and it's 100 guaranteed. Healthy. W- healthy and 100% real olive oil. That's good to know. Always good to know. And uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about border. We talked about Governor Hochul's statement at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk to the former head of Customs and Border Protection. And just about before that. that, when we come back from the break, we're going to play a one-minute tidbit uh, from uh, Bridget. Yeah, yeah, Bridget Brennan, Brennan who is special uh, narcotics prosecutor for the boroughs here in New York, which is part of the show for the Cats Roundtable. So it's a one-minute tidbit. Let's go. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. And, John, uh, we're going to give a little sample because you talked to Bridget Brennan, and she is the special narcotics prosecutor for New York City. She's been for it for 25 many years. years. 25 she knows years. Her stuff. And she knows her stuff. Uh, and uh, uh, we did a one-minute tidbit uh, right now, uh, and you're going to hear the whole interview on Sunday morning on the Cats Roundtable, and she's in charge of narcotics, so she knows what's going on. And here it is. We have Special Prosecutor Bridget Brennan, and uh, she has been appointed by the five district attorneys in New York City as a Special Prosecutor for Drugs. Uh, well... Uh, Bridget Brennan, uh, explain to all New Yorkers what that means. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, It's a tough job. I've been head of the agency now for 25 years, and I came in after the crack epidemic. I'm appointed by the five elected DAs, and I've now had 16 different bosses, I think it is, since the time I've been in charge. We have uh, the jurisdiction or the opportunity to prosecute felony narcotics cases throughout New York City. That means in all five boroughs of New York City. Felony means you face a sentence of more than a year, and narcotics in New York means drugs like cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, the opioid prescription pills. 
And we can also prosecute any crime that's associated with those drugs. And so we have quite wide jurisdiction uh, over the whole city. And because New York City is a hub for narcotics trafficking, we tend to do long-term investigations that really involve, uh, right now, drugs crossing over the southwest border and traveling across the U.S. Wow, and I can't wait to hear the rest of it on Sunday at the Cats Roundtable. And now let's go, since we're talking about Drugs, of course, many of them coming through our southern border. Joining us now is the former head of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan. Uh, Mark, I'm going to get to the governor's uh, meeting in a little bit because they put out a statement saying how great Biden is on the border, which is a whole other issue. But I want to get to this other thing that just came up, that San Diego, uh, the migrant shelter there, is closed. They said they don't have the money, they don't have the space, and they're now doing mass releases in San Diego. That I'm looking at the images earlier. It's really scary, Mark. Yeah, but 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 Rita, let's be let's be uh, honest here. That the releases have been going on for the past three years. It's just been more controlled, right? To to avoid bad political optics. But in the last probably, you know, I'd have to look at the data. But I, at least the last sixty days or so, maybe a little more now. San Diego consistently now has become one of the top three of the 20 sectors on the southwest border for the highest number of uh, illegal aliens coming across. That's why those shelters are, 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 are being filled up. And that's why they're saying, hey, we can't do it anymore. We're closing up. And so you're, you're seeing this, this, quote, mass release because of the shelters are closing. But make no mistake, they, they've been releasing people that have been illegally entering, uh, coming into California for the past three years. Yeah, and boy, is that for, I saw some numbers recently, Mark. It came out, um, over seven point, it was three million encounters under Biden, about two million gotaways plus. Yep. You do the math, that's 10 million, and his term isn't even over yet. That's exactly right. Rita, we're looking at total nationwide encounters by the, by the time he uh, ends his first term. We're, we're easily going to look at, at probably past, you know, 11, 12 million. Then you add in, you know, two, 2.5, maybe close to 3 million gotaways. It's, 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 it's insanity. This is, we're literally jeopardizing every aspect of our nation's uh, safety and national security. And by the end of this term, that will be the equivalent of literally creating a 51st state of illegal aliens that would actually be more than an entire state of Pennsylvania, just right, un, right under New York. Yeah, that's speaking of New York, uh, the New York governor just put out a statement and I got to get your reaction to this. Uh, Mark Borman, the former head of Customs and Border Protection, the former commissioner there, she says it was a governor's meeting at the White House, as you probably know, uh, with all sides, but with Biden. She said they had a series of productive meetings and essentially saying, well, since the GOP uh, led House didn't do anything on border, on the package that's still allowed for a lot of crossings, thousands, 5,000 a day up to, uh, absence the legislation, I expressed to President Biden and his chief of staff that New York would support executive action on immigration and that President Biden's the leader our nation needs in these difficult times. What's your reaction, Mark? Well, 
this is just unbelievable, right? So this mayor and and the, and the governor, they're they're going up to the line, but then they, then they stop being actually completely honest with American people. So they say there's a crisis at border, but they blame everybody but the Biden administration. And then they say there's a crisis at the border, and we need solutions. But their solutions is to just ask for more U.S. taxpayer money rather than actually secure the border to stop the threats from coming in, rather than managing them with more U.S. taxpayer dollars after it's already here. And real quick. As far as the legislation, I, I get fired up because it's just one of many lies that, that, first of all, the Democrats, the Democrats, they owned the House and the Senate the last two years of the Trump administration, and they owned the House and the Senate the first two years of the Biden administration. Four years, the Democrats had both the House and the Senate, and they failed to pass a single piece of meaningful border security legislation. And and he could have done executive action at any moment. He had three years to do it, and it's only because he sees it in the polls now, Mark Morgan. Read it. That's absolutely right. Not not only does he have the authority, but let's let's wind up here. This is what's so absurd about how the mainstream media lets them get away with it. He used executive orders from from the first day of his office in January 2021. Rita, he used his pen to enact 94 executive orders that destroyed and dismantled the network of tools, authorities, and policies that we had enacted under President Trump that led us to the most secure border in our lifetime. Let me give you just a couple examples because they say it, and they don't give you an example. The, the safe third country agreements we had with all three Northern Triangle countries, executive order ended it. The Remain in Mexico program, executive order ended Ended it. The construction of the border wall, executive order ended it. So he could take that same pen that he issued 94 executive orders and to reinstate them and to reinstate those three things that I just talked about. If he did that alone, Rita, you would see illegal immigration reduced by 85 percent almost overnight. And uh, Judge Weinberg, real quick. Mark, you're absolutely correct. It's a fraud on the American people. He never should have rescinded Trump's executive orders. And he has full authorities, President of the United States, to protect and defend our borders by executive order. He's playing this because it's election year, and you're absolutely correct. And by the way, Mark, before we let you go, you have a big event, uh, Border 911. Tell us about this. Yeah, I appreciate it. So it's a new it's a new grassroots effort, again, Border 911, and, and it's really to bring education and awareness, just kind of like we do when we talk to the American people concerning the chaos and lawlessness at our borders, why it matters, and what we need to do to fix it and stop it. And we're actually having an event on April 4th in Mar-a-Lago. So I really encourage people, hey, tickets are going fast, but they can log on to Border 911 and, and, and get a ticket, and we really hope to see them there. By the way, fitting title, 911, because it is an emergency. It is an emergency. Wow. Mark, thank you. Thank you so thank much, you. Mark. Thank you. you thank you both. Okay. And we have uh, Dr. Mark Siegel now. Okay, Mark Siegel, where where are you? I'm here waiting. I'm, I'm the opening act because Carl Rove is following me, so I have that, to be very careful to, what I say. Did you get the pizza we sent over? No, uh, no. Instead, you sent over a warning about norovirus. What's this all about? If I'm going to go out to a restaurant with you, i got to now wash my hands ten times first. And alcohol doesn't count, I heard. Well, you're not drinking it. you got to put it on your hand. <laughs> oh, you know what? We've been doing it wrong all along. Well, listen, you've got to use the Uzo, which is 140 proof. Oh, yeah. That's, that, will, uh, that actually will work. That kills everything. Yeah, yeah. That'll, it'll, kill your, it'll kill your memory, too. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, norovirus is known for the outbreaks on ships, and it's one of the reasons I never go on these, these ships anymore. My wife wants to take these cruises. 
And I, I don't know, for some reason, I just feel like you're a, a floating Petri dish. I'm probably wrong. I don't mean to give them a bad name because they've recovered from the pandemic and they're doing beautifully. And you can go to Alaska. You can go to some really beautiful places on a ship. Yeah, I lo- by the way, I love cruises, but you're right. We saw so much of it. Um, you speak about uh, COVID. Talk about also, Dr. Siegel, there's been a whole bunch of stuff and the Florida Surgeon General came out and said uh, no more vaccines, essentially. I mean, it was pretty strong comment. And I can't understand feeling? what I can't understand what he's trying to do. He went to Harvard. He got an MD. He got a you know a, a, he's got an MPH. I think he has a PhD. He's very well trained. I don't understand what half of what he's trying to do here. I I, I got to say flat out he's wrong. Measles is the most contagious respiratory virus known to mankind and womankind. And literally, if you walk into a room and a measles patient was there two hours before and you're not vaccinated, there's a there's a ninety percent chance you get measles one out of five measles cases ends up in a hospital but he's talking a about covid of, he's talking about the covid vaccine he's talking about the covid vaccine and he says that it, no, no, it's I'm causing about, uh, clots it's causing uh, okay. heart problems it's causing today today he came out and said by the way today he came out and said that parents should decide who gets the measles vaccine i kid you not okay that i'm completely and violently against but the point he made about the COVID vaccine was a couple of days ago. I disagree with that, too. Here's why. The COVID vaccine works in high-risk groups, and, and it's something that is a tool for me to use. It should never have been mandated. It's a discussion between a doctor and a patient. But that same study that shows that there are definite side effects from the COVID vaccine, which were downplayed by the government, by the way, and that's the huge problem, the, the same study showed that you're 600 times more likely to get neurological problems from COVID itself than from the vaccine, and the vaccine decreases your risk of getting myocarditis from COVID. So it's all about sitting there in front of John Casamitidis in a doctor's office saying, what do you want? And he says, I don't want this damn thing. And you say, okay, but how about dinner? Well, and that's not a bad idea, although we are eating uh, Grimaldi's pizza. John, I'm having Grimaldi's John, pizza right but, And who makes it, John? Anthony! (laughs) I risked my case on that. I risked my case. And I heard that he's going to have Mariano thrown out the first pitch down in Staten Island this year. And we're having Mariano Rivera for the Police Athletic League uh, lunch. And I'm going to invite you as my guest. Oh, I can't wait. The man's a hero to me. And I bet you'll be serving great food there, too. And according to Murray Bauer, we're hiring this guy that's better than Mickey Mantle for the Ferry Hawks. And, and I said, if we if we hire him and he's better than Mickey Mantle, we're going to give him the the number seven. And then he goes up to the major leagues, and then you then you'll be giving interviews on him. One more thing on Latipo before I go, I want to be clear on this. I respect the man, but I don't, I think he's off kilter on the vaccines. I think the vaccines have definite side effects. We're talking COVID now. Definite side effects should not have been downplayed, should never have been mandated, but have a use in high risk groups, and that's between me and the patient. All right. Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, we love you. And uh, we got all the dinners and all the uh, Mariano appointments scheduled. So that's good. All right. I'm there. I'll be there in, <laughs> way in advance because wherever Mariano and John Casamitidis go, there's a crowd. So I got to get in early. Exactly. There's two home runs right there. Thank well, you. See you soon. <laughs> all right. See you soon. Uh, let's take a break. Yep. And we have Carl Rove coming up. Uh, big primary this weekend. Well, wait, wait. <laughs> you know, it's March already, the end of the week. 
And you have a primary this Saturday on South Carolina. Yep, February 24th. And March 5th is uh, Super. Super. Super Tuesday, which may not be super for Nikki Haley. You know, when did we say no one to hold them, no one to fold them? Yeah, the uh, the she gambler song. She didn't listen to us. Let's take a break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. And we are playing know when to hold them, know when to fold them, because, John, that was the advice that you gave to Nikki Haley. That's the advice we gave her, and it looks like uh, Saturday she's going to get wiped out by 30, 40 points. But let's go to the expert, Let's Carl go to Rove. Exactly. Let's go to Carl Rove, uh, former advisor, big-time advisor there to President George W. Bush. And, Carl, uh, your thoughts about what's her objective if the polls are correct – um, and I saw you with your whiteboard earlier, my friend, um, that it looks like it's not going to be a good day for her. Uh, yeah, there, look, there are 2,429 delegates at the Republican National Convention. I think we've elected like 70. So uh, there'll be a bunch more tomorrow. Um, and you're right. I mean, one of the key tests is going to be the polls. Real clear politics average, I think, is about 20 Six point difference between the two points to uh, which if you translate it into the election looks like it's 65, 35 um, and uh, split. And uh, the, the 538.com is pretty close to that 63, 37. So the question is going to be, um, does she do better than that? And, and if she doesn't, do people say, you know, you had your shot, uh, um, you know, roll it up. But let's let's be honest about it. We've we've elected a fraction of the delegates uh, to the Republican National Convention. What about the Super Tuesday states? Because those are right afterwards, and I've seen Trump leading in most of those polls too. Yeah, and look, uh, she's got to she's got to. Let's assume tomorrow she does a surprise, and and the surprise may be that you know she originally said my goal is to be uh, you know better than I was in New Hampshire. So maybe maybe it's not a thirty or forty. Point blowout. Maybe it's a you know it's fifty seven forty three or fifty six forty four, uh, and it gives her enough to say. Well, I, I, I continue to go on. Well, March fifth, uh, we have nearly eight hundred delegates at stake, and this is the last day on which most of the delegates, or on which the delegates, uh, cannot be selected by winner take all. After March fifteenth, any primary or, or um, caucus can can award all the delegates. Now, I think there's a problem with California. California has a party rule saying um, 50%, if anybody gets 50%, they get all the delegates, which is win or take all. But, um, right. uh, and in, therefore in violation of the rule. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But it, look, if she does well, depending on how we define well on Saturday, then she's going to be participating in those primaries, which include states like Texas, which also do not have – we don't have party registration in Texas. So it's an open primary. Anybody can come in and vote. And if she does well tomorrow, it's going to be because South Carolina does not have partisan registration. So people who are nominal Republicans or independents can can come in and vote even if they uh, – you know, because they don't have registration. Wait, you know what's interesting, Carl? I saw someone say this earlier today. I don't think it was you, so correct me if I'm wrong, saying that Haley has a Republican voters problem, not a GOP donor problem because there's some GOP donors and Democratic donors backing her. 
Um, let me also ask you about Biden, too. I got to ask you this because, boy, the polls are just continuing to go down and down, Carl. And his job approval is edging down to 38 percent. And they were showing his cheat sheets the other day. He's in California. You're just talking about California. He's talking to all the Democratic donors. And in the Democratic donors, he's like, they're like, uh, say hello to the donors. I mean, it was another one of those like cards, index cards. Say hello. Your name is Joe Biden. I was ready for them to put it on the card. I mean, come on, Carl. Yeah. No, look, I'm not going to make too much of that because, you know, you, you, you go, you, if you got a lot of these things, you, you got to have reminders to be sure and read, you know, make certain that everybody gets recognized, that kind of thing. But I, I'm, I'm more interested in the job performance. Because, look, that is the felt experience of the American people, that he's not up to the job and that he's not doing the job. There's virtually no major issue, not inflation, not crime, not immigration, not national security, where his favorable job rating is above his his reelect. That is to say, there are a bunch of people today who are saying, I'm willing to vote for him, but I don't approve of what he's doing. That is a weak position to be in. That, that, that ain't going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ed Cox. He performs better. Ed Cox. So, Carl, if it's not going to get better, the uh, Democrats generally going to want to replace him. How does that happen? Because he has all the delegates basically pledged to him after Super uh, Super Tuesday. Yeah, well, look, uh, I wrote about this last week. And, Ed, I'm, I'm deeply wounded that you didn't – or maybe you're just – you set up the question so that you thought the column was so good. You exactly. To that must it. be it. Exactly. And definitely, Carl. Yeah, you know that. That, that. You know that. that. You know that. No, look, of course. Look, <laughs> yeah, March 31st, 1968, Lyndon Johnson pulled the ripcord. We're, we're sitting here on, you know, February 23rd. So uh, by April 5th, 76% of the delegates to the – Democratic National Convention will have been selected, or about 74, excuse me. By the by, the April 25th, it's 86 percent. So he could he could say, you know what? I've decided that I'm going to focus on the important challenges the country faces, and so I'm no longer a candidate. And when they meet on August 19th, the Democrats in in Chicago, uh, you know, we we'd, between now and then, we'd have a lot of people moving around saying, I'm interested going to states, trying to trying to cut deals, to, you know, to articulate in a message. And we'd be fascinated by it as a country. Who are these people who want to offer themselves up for the Democrats? Think about the convention. It'd be the first convention, uh, you know, in, in decades where we went to multi-ballots. And on the second ballot, remember, the superdelegates who are already all appointed, uh, they get to start voting on the second ballot if nobody has a majority on the first. So, you know, imagine the ratings. They'd be off the charts, and as long as they picked a normal Democrat, um, not a you know not a lunatic, uh, in all likelihood they'd come out of the convention with a big mo- a burst of momentum, and they'd be ahead in the polls. And the question is, would it be durable? And it may not be, but the fact of the matter is, they'd be in better place than they are today with a guy whose approval rating, the real clear politics average, is thirty nine point seven percent approved. Fifty-six point three percent disapproved. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. Now, Carl Rove, thank you, and thank you for your wisdom. And uh, by the way, I want to wish a good friend of ours that's always on our show a happy birthday today. Uh, today is uh, Senator Joe Lieberman's birthday. Oh, how great! Happy birthday! Happy wow. birthday, Joe! And we love Joe. Joe is and great. And thank you, Carl. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America, and long live the King. <laughs> 